Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're continuing in Joshua chapter 22, talking about this offensive altar that the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh had set up on the western side of the Jordan River, but on the border of the land of Canaan and the area territory of the Transjordan tribes. Last time we talked about the response of the nine and a half tribes within the land of Israel, that they were uh, simply flabbergasted that these two and a half tribes would build this altar. They viewed it as an act of rebellion. They send out Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, who is uh, very zealous for protecting the holiness of the Lord. He sort of leads a charge of representatives from the uh, entire congregation out to address uh, the two and a half tribes. They plead with them uh, not to do this act of wickedness, to set up this uh, alternative altar uh, on which normally sacrifices would be made. And they even say, if the land of your possession is unclean, come over here, you can live with us. Uh, A very generous offer being made to those tribes. They just don't want them to fall into sin. And part of that is because they know, and, and this is said in verses 15 through 20, they know that if these tribes rebel, the Lord's anger, the Lord's wrath will come against the entire congregation, the entire nation of Israel. So they do not want to incur God's uh, wrath as they did when Achan uh, sinned uh, back in chapter 7. They want to be smarter than that, and they're pleading with these two and a half tribes that they might not do this wicked thing. Now, in verses 21 and following, we find out what the motivation of these two and a half tribes really was and why they built this altar in the first place. Verse 21, Then the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and spoke to the heads of the families of Israel. The mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows and may Israel itself know. So they are beginning with a very, very strong affirmation. We, we still love the Lord. It's Yahweh that we're serving. He's God. There is no other God. Um, they are uh, beside themselves in trying to communicate. This was not any sort of act of rebellion. They say in verse 22, if it was in rebellion or if it was an unfaithful act against the Lord, do not save us this day. I mean, very clear affirmation here. If we have built us an altar to turn away from following the Lord, or if to offer a burnt offering or grain offering on it, or if to offer sacrifices of peace offerings on it, may the Lord himself require it. They're saying under no circumstances that... uh, The Lord is the one that they're serving. This altar is not meant as an act of rebellion against him or to usurp authority from the city of Shiloh and the tabernacle system there. Verse 24, but truly we have done this out of concern for a reason, saying in time to come, 
your sons may say to our sons. Now, who's being addressed here? Your and our. Think about geographically where the two and a half tribes are residing. They're to the eastern side of the Jordan River. These are the, the two and a half tribes speaking to the nine and a half tribes that have settled in the land of Canaan proper. And they're saying, uh, in time to come, your sons may say to our sons, what have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between us and you. You sons of Reuben and sons of Gad, you have no portion in the Lord. So your sons may make our sons stop fearing the Lord. In other words, the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh had built this altar out of concern that they might not be isolated from the rest of the nine and a half tribes. They were already isolated geographically being on the other side of the Jordan River. It was a natural boundary. They didn't want to be isolated in mentality. And they foresaw that perhaps as the years went on, the children of the Israelites within the land of Canaan would look at them there on the other side of the Jordan River and think for themselves, they're not really a part of us. They don't really belong to us. They're separate. They're different. Um, and so to protect from that happening, these two and a half tribes had built this altar more as a witness, a testimony, than an altar for sacrifices. They did not intend to rebel against the Lord here. They intended to provide it as a witness between future generations uh, that this would be something that would unite them rather than divide them. In the church today, there are a lot of divisions. There are a lot of factions, and some factions claim that they are really the, the true church and that others are not, that they're not faithful. Now, I'm not talking here about uh, doctrinal divisions. There are certain doctrinal divisions uh, where some have uh, really removed themselves from uh, orthodox or true Christianity. If you do not believe that God is triune, that there is one God eternally existing in three persons. That really places you outside of true Christianity, uh, Bible-believing Christianity. If you believe that salvation is something you need to work for in order to earn as a possession for yourself and do not believe that it was all purchased for you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that really places you outside of the realm of what the Bible teaches as truth about Jesus Christ and what he's done on our behalf. So there are key foundational doctrines. But there are other things that we dispute about and, and at times divide over that are not those at those level of essentials. And in those ways, sadly, we come to distinguish ourselves from one another when really we should be united. Uh, Christians today need to have the wisdom to understand what God sees as essential to the faith and other areas where we may have differences of opinions, 
but can genuinely love and be together with one another, worshiping the Lord Jesus, while at the same time realizing that we have differences of opinions about matters that are not at those level of uh, foundational doctrines or essentials of the Christian faith. Here in Joshua, something uh, similar is happening in that the Israelites are, particularly the two and a half tribes, foresee that perhaps there could be some divisions caused by the geographical differences of where the people are living, and they don't want to see that take place. And so they've attempted to build this altar in order to prevent that from happening. Verse 26. Therefore we said, let us build an altar, not for burnt offering or for sacrifice, rather it shall be a witness between us and you and between our generations after us that we are to perform the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings that your sons may not say to our sons in times to come, you have no portion in the Lord. They're attempting to protect their future generations from being isolated. Verse 28, Therefore we said, It shall also come about if they say uh, this to us and to our generations in time to come, then we shall say, See the copy of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offering or for sacrifice. Rather, it is a witness between us and you. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away from following the Lord this day by building an altar for burnt offering or for grain offering or for sacrifice besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before his tabernacle. So the people of Reuben and Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh here are throwing their hands up when they see all of the Israelites come out against them and saying, whoa, 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 this is not what you think. This is the reason why we built this, not as a, an altar to use to worship the Lord. We know that that altar is at Shiloh. That's the one that we will use. That's where we will worship. This altar is an altar of witness between us that you can't say to us in the future, you have no portion in this land, or your future generations can't say to our future generations, you have no portion. Verse 30, So when Phinehas the priest and the leaders of the congregation, even the heads of the families of Israel who were with him, heard the words which the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the sons of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, said to the sons of Reuben, the sons of Gad, the sons of Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst, because you have not committed this unfaithful act against the Lord. Now you have delivered the sons of Israel from the hand of the Lord. They were ready to kill the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh because of this wickedness perceived in their eyes. But when they heard that this altar was for, to be an altar of witness, they understood what it was truly for. Verse 32, Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the leaders returned from the sons of Reuben, from the sons of Gad, from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan, to the sons of Israel, and brought back word to them. And the word pleased the sons of Israel. 
And the sons of Israel blessed God, and they did not speak of going up against them in war to destroy the land in which the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad were living. And the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad called the altar witness, for they said, It is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Well, these two and a half tribes really want to protect their future generations. And so what they're attempting to do in this chapter, as we have seen, is provide for their children's future. They don't want them to turn away from the Lord. They want them to continue to worship the Lord as the Lord has adequately outlined for them in the law of Moses. They don't want to be isolated from the rest of the community of Israel. And so they build this altar as a witness between them. The word of God speaks to us as believers in Christ that in order to dis display God effectively in the world around us, we should be united with one another. This is what Jesus prays for in John chapter 17, that his followers would be united in love for one another, just as he was in the Father and the Father was in him, and the love that they shared would be displayed through all the earth. His desire for the body of Christ is that our love for one another, a supernatural love which unites people of all different ages, of all different uh, genders, of different ethnicities together, people with different backgrounds. We are all, when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we become part of his body, the church, and what identifies us now is no longer our distinctions, but our united love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the way that the mission of the church will be accomplished in the world around us. People will see what's different about us in our love for one another, rather than in our uh, distinctions, in our uh, separations from one another. As believers in Jesus Christ, what are you doing to build up the body through unity? Are you an agent of unity for Christ's church? Or are there ways in which you are tearing down or destroying that unity? It's important for us to remember that God desires for us to be united with one another in love for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu partner.